Like many of you, we battled depression during life's ups and downs. Music has always been the thing we could rely on to get us through the tough times we all face. We welcome you along on our journey as we discuss the healing power of music, interview bands, break down genres, review band biographies, and more. Ladies and gentlemen, this is When Words Fail, Music Speaks. Now let's get started. interview is Valentine Wolf. Formed in 2006, Valentine Wolf is a combined effort of Sarah Black and Braxton Bellew. Imagine Sarah Brightman being backed by Frances Rabbit blowing through a Marshall stack at midnight. Having dubbed their music Victorian Chamber Metal, the duo have synthesized a love of metal classical, and industrial, infusing them with a Victorian sensibility that invokes the likes of Bram Stoker and Edgar Allan Poe. The ethereal soprano vocals of Sarah Black, which call to mind not only the formidable Brightman, but also Diane Van Gernsbergen of Xandria and are both stressed by the thunderous growl of Braxton's electric upright bass. And the two castles over pounding rock and electric grooves, punctuated by a maelstrom of synthesizers, keyboards, samples, and sound design. In addition to their gothic metal stylings, their postgraduate backgrounds in music Sarah has an MM in composition and Braxton a DMA in double bass. Has afforded them multiple opportunities to broaden their musical horizons in recent years. Ladies and gentlemen, Valentine Wolf. everybody how are you doing hey we're great braxton here from valentine wolf and sarah nice nice well it's a pleasure and and all my honor to meet y'all because we have a uh a a friend that we both know her name is uh, cammy and she's just great she said hey i got a i got a friend who who's who's in the band together and they would love to come on your show i'm like send them over real fast we're just we're stoked that that all worked out that way i know Got yeah. the email and you know just uh, I think the, uh, the just sort of the message of the the podcast with uh, music helping us go get through rough times. I mean that resonates with me. We, well, I'm sure we'll have time to maybe talk on this, but you know I'm you know clinically depressed and all that good stuff. And music's yeah. really been the thing that's kind of kept 
uh, kept me going. So right, yeah. And, and, so it's a pleasure to talk to people, like sharing that message. And thank you for taking an interest in our music. We deeply appreciate it. Sure, sure. Um, like you, I have um, depression, and I do have paper loans, so I'm not teasing you. <laughs> um, yeah, but I found music to be one of the main the main reasons why I'm still here. Really, is because if it wasn't for music, you know, I don't know where we'd be right now. But music is such a wonderful um, outlet for many people, and I think it's, and I think if many, many more people listen to music other than other outlets, you know, that will be in a better, better place right now. I, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more because I think that, I think now is like, it's, it's such, it's like really the best time ever to be a music fan, you know, because I mean, there's literally everything or anything recorded just right at our fingertips, and you can hear. You know, you can hear, you know, Yo-Yo Ma was doing the songs of comfort. And that can mean a lot of things to different people. You know, um, music that we're comfortable with, that we go to. I know when I'm feeling sad, when I've had a rough day, I, you know, when the headphones go on, yeah. things start feeling better. Or then, you know, uh, you know, all the way to bands like us where there's, uh, you know, modestly our, our, our other friends that we have making really cool music who may be under the radar, but... You can just really find some. There's so many people we know doing so many cool things. So, yeah, that that really, you know, that just really resonated. So, um, yeah, thanks for letting me kind of kick it off and share that a little bit. Because, sure. Yeah, I think yeah. it's definitely what you know. Just <laughs> I me, mean, Frank Zappa had it right. Where, you know, music is the best. So yes, yes. Well, see, I think it's more prominent now that to be a really big music fan of any sort because. Uh, it's just with the tip of your fingers, you know, you you can get, like, music twice as faster than you could do in the 80s and 90s and early, early, early 2000s, you know, because, well, cause, you know, you can make a, make a song on, you know, like, um, like, like, like GarageBand and just send it out to the world right then, you know, you don't have to wait until, it, and it seems like everybody's going to their uh, self-promotion, you know, Instead of going through like a major company, because those major companies can be your best friend or not, you know, it's all, you know. I think that there's, you know, so many people have written and talked about this. I think generally, I feel it's a positive thing. I think there's pros and cons to both approaches. I just, you know, I mean, there's so many, you know, when you were talking about our, when you were introducing us you know we name check bands like Xandria and Nightwish in our bio and when I was uh you know buying tapes that's how old I am when I was like scratching on my money to buy metal tapes and everything you know good luck even finding a band like Nightwish yes and so it's so cool now that like there's all these just especially we get asked this a lot and you know we're gonna you know, not to spoil the surprise, we're going to talk a little bit about it because you asked about um, Victorian chamber metal. There's yeah. so many different styles of metal and so many people doing so many cool things that it's um, it's really great to be able to explore that. And I think that, you know, that even if it's just a, a touch of a button, as you say, when you, that those first notes come out of the speaker and your heart just leaps, you're like, yes, that's what I'm looking right. for. Yeah, that's like that's. I, uh, you got some great questions to get through. I, I could gush about how much I love music all night. Oh right. Well, well, I'm, 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 I'm kind of, um, 
I kind of loved it right now because, man, me and you and my co-host who couldn't be here right now, he's so sorry that he couldn't be here. But me, you, and him can talk about metal for like days and weeks and years. And oh my God, it's you know, it's I love yeah. music to the to, to its core, you know. So no, I mean, there's a lot of good stuff to talk about. Yeah, a lot of good stuff, a lot of good stuff. But we're here to talk about y'all. Um, so how did you come? Okay, so first of all, did I say your name? Did did I say your um, um band's name right? Valentine Wolf. Yeah. Okay, because cause so, cause so many demands are like, no, that's not the right pronunciation and this and that. So, um, how did you come up with the name, Valentine Wolf? Well, we both really love reading books and we love uh, basing a lot of our music in literature. And so I think it's fitting that the name comes from literature as well. There is a series of space opera novels from, I think it's from back in the 90s, written by an author called Simon R. Green. And one of the characters in these novels was very dissolute, but elegant and decadent. And the characters seemed to portray a lot of what we wanted the sound of the music to be like. We wanted it to be elegant, yet decayed, and just have lots of different layers of nuance. And so it, it, sometimes it talks about talked about his clothing in the novels, you know, having all these fancy layers of clothing. And we kind of thought that's what our music should sound like, you mm -hmm. know, fancy, fancy layers of all this different vocal layering and different bass layers. And so we talked about it and we wondered, uh, is it okay to name our band after a character from a novel? And then we decided, well, it's either that or Dorian Gray, so we better go with oh. Valentine Wolf. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, that's, I mean, Dorian Gray is a great name, too. I mean, you can't go wrong, because um, I think they made a movie about him or something, right? Dorian Gray? Mm -hmm. It made that one that, 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 that like, like the picture changed every time you looked at it or something like that. Yeah, ex yeah. yeah exactly. That great short story, and it's so funny, even Sarah telling us, right? I, it, I, it literally just clicked that, yeah, Valentine Wolf is essentially... Dorian Gray in space. He's this sort of Lord Byron-esque, um, just almost vampiric type figure set in the context of a space opera. And it was, yeah, Sarah introduced me to these books and she's the one who came up with the band name as well. So right. um, it's, it, honestly, I didn't love it. And she's like, well, can you think of a better one? And after like a day, I was like, I, I got nothing. Let's let's go with this. Yeah, so, and, yeah. and it's kind of stuck. It it after, you know. It now it just it it really just is us. I kind of dig it. So right. Well, this um, next question is for you, Mister Braxton. Um, I've been to a, a few of a of, of of a little bit of classical concerts in my you know years. I'm I'm 41, so I've been around the block a time or two. Um, so I've never ever seen or heard of an electric upright bass. Um, could you explain to me where you had the admiration for the bass? Was it the electric bass guitar that you picked up first and said, you know, I want to go the, the other route? Or where did you come up with the, with the, with the admiration for the electric bass? Okay, so the quickest way to answer this the first time i ever saw the electric upright bass which is just kind of a different electric version of the the monster double bass as you see in the symphony orchestra right i saw it being played by tony levin 
uh, bass player for uh, King Crimson, and at the time was playing this live with Peter Gabriel. And I thought they looked kind of cool, but I couldn't figure out why you know anyone would have one until it really almost literally decades later. And the to answer your second the second part of your question. I started when I started playing. I started playing on bass guitar. I wanted to be okay. Steve Harris when I grew up, and I still do. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, I mean, I heard Steve Harris, and then I heard Getty Lee, and then I heard Jaco Pastorius, and all bets were off. And the the double bass or the stand up bass, the, the the big instrument you see played in jazz or orchestras or whatever, that kind of came later. And when I first started playing it. I kind of thought, you know, classical musicians all had to, you know, start when they were like three years old or whatever. And <laughs> I thought I had like no chance of playing it professionally. And I learned over the years that wasn't really the case. I learned that there's a lot of people who, you know, come to that instrument by a lot of just different routes and everything. And um, I, this was summer my undergrad. I got to study with a gentleman. Uh, named Doug Summer, and Doug, Doug tragically is no longer with us, but yeah. he was a phenomenal teacher, and this whole playing with a bow and doing all that stuff all of a sudden just sort of clicked. And then, you know, Doug was one. I've really had four phenomenal great bass teachers. Doug was one. Uh, uh, Dr. James Barquette, who's uh, down at Kennesaw State University now, teaching in the metro Atlanta area. Uh, Al, Albert Al Laszlo. Um, Al teaches at the Juilliard School now at the time. I studied with him. Uh, he was uh, at Cincinnati College Conservatory of Music. And, um, you know, the the man who, like, I think really kind of indirectly encouraged Valentine Wolf. Um, you know, all my teachers did something a lot, but I got to say some special words for Milton Masiadri, my maestro from the University of Georgia, who really just was kind of like it's up to you you know you can you can play anything on the double bass so the reason i have an electric upright though is um you know when you're playing jazz or whatever it's not unusual to put a pickup or a microphone in front of the acoustic instrument and i do have one of the big monsters the things that look like cellos only bigger right um you know and the reason i didn't want to play it in valentine wolf is because i knew um you know, all the distortion parts, all the heavy metal sounding parts in our music, all the things that sound like guitars is me. It's my double bass played with a bow. Um, I knew that I was going to do a lot of crazy things with delays and all the stuff. And I thought, you know, if I start trying to play high gain music with a giant feedback monster on stage, which is what the acoustic bass is, that'll be what happens. So um, at about that time, Stein, uh, the bass I play is by... Um, NS Designs and Ed Steinberger Designs, and they really got the whole electric version down. And so I think it's just a way, knowing that I'm going to do a lot of uh, post-processing and sound manipulation, that was just a tactical choice to keep the signal cleaner and things like that. So um, so that's I still play bass guitar. I still play my acoustic bass. And I just, um, my um, last thing I'll say about this, and the only thing I can talk more about and heavy metal is the double bass. Um, but my instruments, um, you know, uh, my hometown uh, in upstate South Carolina, there's a phenomenal 
uh, repair slash luthier Jinkarelli uh, Base Works. They take care of all my bases, and my electric is really set up to be. It feels exactly like my um, big upright acoustic. Or, uh, you know, the the bass I play in the orchestra. And I I I've had a lot of experience playing in bass sections in the orchestra. So uh, um, so I live in that world as well. But that was that was sort of the choice of instrumentation, just to try to keep it very simple when recording and performing and it works out pretty well. So um, that's, thank you again. Thanks for asking me about my instruments and I'll stop speaking yeah. out about them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 that was a great explanation. The reason why I, I, uh, I, I wanted to talk to you about the bass is, uh, is your upright basses because um, I was looking at your, well, uh, your awesome YouTube channel and I noticed there was no guitar and I was like, mm. There's got to be a guitar in there because I hear the guitar sounds. So, with that, that your bass is—is it kind of sort of like almost like a guitar where you could plug up different pedals to it and make different sounds with it? What I do to get my sound is um, I run two signals, mm -hmm. and one sounds pretty much just like a bass through a bass amp. It's got okay. the low end. It's got like the core to it. Right. My distortion these days comes from a Hughes and Kettner um, tube amp, just a high gain amp. Um, again, it's something when Sarah and I first met, we kind of discovered by accident that if you take a recorded signal of a bow to double bass and kind of put it through, you know, amp simulator software, it you can get, you know, high gain crunch guitar sound pretty easy. So when she was talking about all those layers, that that's sort of what I do. Like the, what would be the rhythm guitar part where it's in a standard metal band or all things I play. Um, again, that that's where like the apocalyptica influence comes Yes, from. They're kind yes. of doing a lot of that. Yeah. yeah. And then usually um, I'm into doing a lot of things with ambient and delays and textures. So we'll usually kind of add another part to it. So Usually in Valentine Wolf songs, there's, you know, we take advantage of using the studio like an instrument. There's usually anywhere from, you know, three to five bass parts going on at any given time. Yeah. And the electric uprights seems to be the most versatile choice to do all those things. Okay. Pretty interesting, you know. Um, so was Apocalyptica your, one of your main influences to, to uh, like, like to take, take the electric stand-up bass to his next, you know? I, honestly, I would say more on Sarah's side than mine. You know, I I kind of knew who they were, but I was always a bigger Iron Maiden fan than Metallica. Yeah, right, was, yeah. And I mean, and I, I don't not like, I don't dislike Metallica by any means, but... Um, right, right. But I wasn't super into them so my first encounter of apocalyptica they were like okay cellos are covering metallica and i was like yeah okay whatever i you know it, i guess that's cool and i mean i didn't really think about it and then trying to figure out like how to make it work i was like okay i know their music but you know are, are they that band that covers um you know that they just play metallica covers or whatever and then sarah found some of their um the Reflections album in particular, where they wrote their own music and they wrote their own instrumentals. Mm. And I got really interested in um, that aspect of what Apocalyptica does. And I think that 
when I was trying to figure out how does, you know, how am I going to make all this work and all that good stuff, Apocalyptica is really going to get you there quicker than anybody. So again, this is, you know, her sharing music with me, I, I really learned to be into that band a lot. Yeah, yeah. But it was kind of by a roundabout kind of route. Yeah, going back to Iron Maiden, I'm 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 the exact opposite. From you, I love Metallica um, more than Iron Maiden, but I don't. But I respect Iron Maiden because every every time I see them on anywhere, you know, YouTube or on TV or whatever, they always have a fantastic theatrical show where Metallica just goes out and just plays. That's not really fun for people who who appreciate more than just. Um, the aspect of musicians is like um, you can tell that Iron Maiden really cares about visual arts too. So, yeah, I, I think when I first started listening to metal, that's definitely what hooked me. Yeah, and again, and like I've learned, I mean, I do. I mean, again, do not get me wrong. I, I love, I love like Master of Puppets. Yes, that's probably one of my favorite records yep. of the time. Yeah, um, and I think I think Hardwired is great. To be honest, I think that album, like Rob Trujillo, really, I think, has really energized them. That just said, I mean, I mean, I, I just, at the end of the day, you know, Maiden is what I started with, and I just, I, even to this day, I just, I love Iron Maiden. Right? Yeah, they're they're an amazing group, especially uh, Bruce. Man, he can sing, dude. I don't know of, of anybody who can match his match his skills more than um um. Judas Priest's um, Rob Halford, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing yeah. voices. Um, so you all have Patreon uh, that people can go to and subscribe to you right now. It's patreon.com slash valentinewolf, W-O-L-F-E. There's E at the end. Uh, what I thought was very um, fascinating was y'all in, involved the, the uh, your, 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 your viewers and your um, backers, I guess, is what it's called, Patreoners, right? Um, so on your um, ten dollars a month tier, uh, you have a um, monthly Patreons only hangout, right? Mm-hmm. So with that, with that um, tier, do they get like a one-on-one video chat with you, or do they just get a, like in like a like a Discord invite? We've just been doing a group hangout uh, okay. over Zoom. Uh, we've been doing it over Zoom right now, but you know we haven't been doing these for very long yet. So right. we're still trying to figure out exactly how it's going to work and what we like about it. But um, so far, it's been pretty fun just hanging out on Zoom, and people can submit questions before time, but we also can just kind of hang out and have fun talking music. Yeah, and I think it's very beneficial now. Now, now, now that we're, you know, some most countries are states are on the lockdown and they can't uh, go out and see y'all play. So I think it's very. Um, it says a lot to to me that you care about your fans so much that you want them to be still a part of you. And and uh, you know, it's it's good that they can ask you question because many many bands don't don't want. You know, fans. You know, asking them questions a lot of times. So, well, I think that again, our supporters on Patreon, especially, like they enable us to do this. I mean, they, um, 
with everything going on with COVID-19 and all that good stuff, we, we really, um, like, into your point, there are people who support us who, you know, live in states or countries we've never been able to play yet. And then with us all sort of being isolated, we, we, we figured, we were trying to figure out like, well, how can we, how can we make this work for everybody? How can we, right. How can we stay connected? Because it's, you know, it, it's, it's always a balancing act. I mean, we, we kind of write and we create the way we want to, but we really want, you know, once it's time to share it, it is important that people like it. Not so much that we're going to completely change how we do things, but at the same time, when people hear what you've written and they hear your music and they're like, this is phenomenal. We love it. <laughs> yeah. Will you do more of it? I'm, we're like, well, are you kidding? Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and they, you know, it's, we, there's a lot of creative folks on our patron. There's a lot of people who are content creators themselves. And there's a lot of, um, you know, again, it's, as Sarah was saying, the Patreon, the Zoom hang is kind of new, but it's been, it's been kind of cool so far. So, um, okay. Patreon's been really just, I know, uh, some people it's not it's not for everybody patreon's a lot of hard work yes um and i know that there's some people who work really hard who it's still just not anything that really resonates with them but for us it's it's been really great and it's really i'm gushing about it i just want to give our patreon supporters a shout out because like seriously like i don't know that the band would have survived covid19 without yeah. the support of our patrons. Yeah, because when, you, when you're not working, you're like, oh man, what am I going to do, you know? So it's 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 good that you get back to the fans, and I thank you for that. Uh, but I must confess something to you all right now. I have been a bit of a creeper on your Instagram posts today, so forgive oh. forgive me on that. <laughs> oh no, that's yeah, wonderful. Yeah, but um, in one of your Instagram posts, um, y'all are at official Valentine, Valentine Wolf. Um, that's your Instagram um, profile name for everybody who's listening. Uh, it said on one of your posts, because uh, before this whole pandemic even started, uh, we applied for a grant from the local Metropolitan Arts Council to make a music video. But because of the pandemic, we faced quite a few challenges for filming. Uh, my question to you is, uh, was that because you couldn't uh, go to locations to get the visual stuff that you needed? And if so, were there any other challenges that prevented you from getting great footage for the video? That was definitely part of it. Okay, um, yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, kind of being of the MTV generation, I'm I'm 45, so I'm right, right there with you. Um, yeah. <laughs> when we got the idea to make this video, we approached our friend Robert Gowan, who is in a really killer band called Wasted Wine and um, owns a video production company called Other Southern. And Robert's really good at making these really dark and quirky short films. Like, like Wasted Wine's kind of got that same sort of like David Lynch meets Tim Burton vibe. And even though we sound nothing alike, we've played shows with him and it totally works. And we just told him we'd been thinking about making kind of a theatrical video you know, would he make one with us? And he said, sure. And Robert came up with this like super elaborate storyline. And he had this really amazing sort of um, scenario planned. He had this really kind of, you know, vision of kind of what he wanted to shoot. And 
We're also, through Robert, very good friends with NIAD, um, which is a collective of a dance troupe, a dance studio, um, and their director, Jadra Durant, we knew we wanted to kind of work with her. And I think the, the so to answer your question about locations, we were thinking we were going to do like historic locations, maybe find like kind of, you know, an abandoned looking something or like a historical yeah. house or whatever. We were going to do something to really play up the sort of opulent scenery that we wanted. And we were also going to do, you know, um, I'm a big fan of the TV show Penny Dreadful. And in season one, there's this phenomenal seance uh, episode. And we were thinking something like that, like maybe not tons of people, but we were thinking a lot of people around the table, all that good stuff. And then the pandemic hit. And right. yeah. what was awesome about Robert and Jadra, just as collaborators, we were like, okay, how can we retool this whole thing for the four of us and how are we going to make these locations work so what we what what started as let's see if we can do something creepy in this old historic house make it look haunted well the the haunted house shots that's our home studio okay and and then the sort of nether realm in that video and the, the video we shot was for a song called this world is not conclusion and the first half of that song is just very stripped down and brooding it's got just Sarah's beautiful vocal lines and piano parts, some sort of kind of lonely cello sounding play things that I'm playing on the bass. And then the band kicks in and we get really heavy and we kind of use that as sort of a transition. We wound up, we were actually in Jadra's backyard so she could spin fire while we played. Cause we're like, well, we can't be where we want. We can't have the people we want. <laughs> so let's do it on your backyard. Right. And Jadra's like, well, let's add fire. So yeah. there's a really killer picture of her spinning fire on our Instagram. And again, what was awesome about that video, again, I think is how close I think that the story Robert wanted to tell, the story that song tells, that we kind of had to pull from nothing. I mean, again, we envisioned multiple locations, extras. Robert was thinking he was going to have, I mean, we wound up like, we were all held. I mean, it, 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 you went through, you know, he had a crew in mind and, you know, it, it, we still did it with like multiple cameras and lights, but like Robert wound up, we had to do like multiple takes of this because Robert was the only camera operator. So he's trying to direct the video and film it at the same time. And, you know, we know his work. I knew it was going to be cool, but still when he was like, here's the final thing. And I hit, play on that after knowing what we'd all kind of gone through to make it happen and I couldn't believe it we were we were kind of even concerned when it came out people were like y'all are supposed to be quarantining how are you doing this video but like, <laughs> right we were but like yeah there was four um um you know Jaysbra's husband helped us out a little bit but like there were no more than five people ever around at the same time like Sarah and I are in the, you know, we're, we're married in the same band and we're still socially distancing. So yeah. it was just insane trying to figure out how to make something creative work. Um, again, there's another picture on our Instagram. If you scroll through that, you can see a picture of Jadra dancing and Robert's filming her. And that's like, you know, that's about seven, eight feet, you know, to try to make that work. So 
it, it went from our whole original plan got thrown out the window and we basically at one point we seriously we sat down with them because um the metropolitan arts council we're from greenville south carolina i should say oh nice um, i'm from columbia oh right on very yeah. Cool. yeah um mac just is amazing they're super supportive of artists and they weren't even asking us hey give the money back but we had a meeting where we talked about it we're like can we and can we even do this and i mean you know and the four of us decided we could do it we told mac i think we're going to do something anyway and they 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 were awesome they said well if if there's an artist that we that we support who could we figured it'd be all we're looking forward to it so um it was quite the adventure so yeah right yeah and well, that's awesome you know i mean if you can't go somewhere you might as well do it in, in house you know or close to the house so that's yeah. amazing yeah so um I noticed on on YouTube again. I'm man. I'm a big fan of y'all. Y'all on YouTube. Y'all drew some amazing stuff on it. Um, y'all went to MarsCon in Williamsburg, Virginia, right? So with many of these conventions going on, um, they all have a different theme. Um, I've been to two, two of them, I think. I've been to MonsterCon, uh, the one in North Carolina. You know that's yeah. that's that's the theme of like monster. You know. Um, yes. MonsterCon um, convention, and I've been to several that I can't remember as of now. But uh, with MarsCon, what's the the main theme for that one? Well, it is a multi-genre con with with somewhat of a focus on literature. Okay. But it has grown into more of like a friends and family kind of event. The main vibe that I get there is. At this point, everyone is just really close friends. It's a lot of the same people coming back year after year, mm -hmm. and they just want to have a huge party with their friends over the weekend. Nice. It's always a good time to go to a convention, you know, because um, I met like I like I met two uh, famous musicians that I, you know, I mean, I still um, blush to the to the day. I met Kirk Hammett. I met him twice. Um, he came to he came he also came down here to Columbia. Or like a, uh, um, a uh, he does art and stuff like that. So he had an art show here in Columbia um, Museum. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, and then at one of the uh, conventions, I met Doyle uh, von Wolfgang von Frankenstein from the Misfits. Very, very so, cool. Yeah, so that was a big deal for me that day. So, uh, uh, so that's cool that you know, um, um y'all go, y'all you y'all go to um, conventions too. Yeah, so. Um, uh, you two did a live show there on January 21st, 2020, last year. Um, this question is for Sarah. Um, you know, I was on your YouTube channel, um, uh, and I clicked on your version of the Wolf Storm, Wolf Strum, or, or Storm, uh, from The Witcher 3, I think it is, right? It's a cover song. Um, yep. that y'all just blew me away on that one. Um, but, oh, thank you. but I was very fascinated by your voice and how, how, um, how it sounds. It's, it, it's very mellow and it just, it's, it's just soothing, you know? Um, Aww. so how long did it take you, how long did it take, uh, your, how long did you take singing lessons for? Well, I actually didn't start taking singing lessons until after I left college. Oh, nice. I I went to um, the University of Georgia 
in Athens, Georgia, and I studied music composition there. And I got a bachelor's degree and then a master's degree, and I was just studying music composition the whole time. And I did study piano in college and a little bit of harpsichord and a little bit of organ, but all of that is just keyboard stuff. Right. It's kind of it's kind of crazy to think about, but the whole yeah. time I was in college, I just played keyboards. Right. Well, I mean, but, yeah. but then at the end of college, that's when I met Braxton, and I told him he had to be in a band with me. Hey, yeah. And so, um, so I convinced him to start making music with me, and I was writing all these singing parts. And I started, because I was used to composing music on keyboard instruments, sometimes I would write some very challenging vocal parts, really hard to sing. And so, yeah. uh, so Braxton and some of my other friends encouraged me, hey, why don't you take some singing lessons? That might help. <laughs> and so I've been... So I started studying some singing lessons with one of the teachers out at Furman University because we live in Greenville, South Carolina right now, and Furman University is pretty close, and mm-hmm. and that's been really fun. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it it seems like it's really helping you because I think that when you when you it, it sounds like you do it like easy as cake because I can never hold my you know, hold my uh, the note for that long, you know. Um, are you a uh, teacher now, teaching people how to sing now, or are you, or you just do other stuff with 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 your voice? I am not teaching any lessons right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just we stay pretty busy doing Valentine Wolf stuff. Right. I'm not ruling it out. I might explore it in the future, but I th- I would say out of the two of us, Braxton is really the better teacher than I am. He he's just really really good at it. Oh nice. And I love composing and writing music and I think I think my strength lies in composing, but I I think it probably would benefit me at some point to try to teach some. It would only help me grow as a musician, so I might try that someday. Right. Well, okay, so I got one more question for you, Sarah. Um, say I say I was your um, student, right? So uh, knowing all all that you know about singing now, how and what's the one the, the 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 number one lesson that you would teach me coming in brand new without having having sung yet? I would say one of the biggest things that my teacher taught me was to really make sure that everything in your face and your jaw and your mouth and your throat is really relaxed and don't tighten up those muscles because if the muscles are getting too tight, that can really cause some long-term damage. I mean, you would think that I would know that because the entire time that I studied piano, that was something that my piano teachers always said is you can't have too much tension in your fingers or your hand or your wrist or even even your shoulders. You got to make sure that there's not a lot of tension. And right. so you would think that that lesson would carry over naturally to any other instrument a person studied, but it I think it just is not it's a, it's a very important thing and every teacher should always tell every single student make sure that there is no tension and don't don't clench your muscles up. No matter which muscles you're mute, you're using, be aware of that. You know, massage them gently and make mm-hmm. sure the tension is free. Oh, nice. Okay, all good stuff, right? Um, so, 
Once again, I looked on your Instagram page, and I noticed you posted with a music sheet on it. And on that music sheet, you had four or five USB drives uh, with all your uh, discography on them. Uh, and it said, loading up, uh, loaded up all the flash drives for this year's MarsCon. And we'll have just about every song we've ever had done, and it will be 30 bucks each. Um... So I also looked on your Bandcamp page, which is valentinewolf.bandcamp.com. And on it, it said you can buy the, the, the digital discography for 66 bucks. Um, so I think it's a really good, great thing that you take them to um, shows and, and give them like, a, like on a, like a half-off sale. Um, so does, did, did there was, like fly off your 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 shelves on that one, or how are those helping your overall sales? They do sell well. Um, I think we. Uh, that's such a nice thing to say. I, I kind of hate saying this now. I think now we sell them for a little more than thirty um, because we've written so much extra music. We had to. I think when we first started selling these. We were selling eight gig hard drives, and then we came out with some new um, albums and some new other projects, and we needed to upgrade it. So right. um, to cover the cost, we wound up knocking it up a little bit. But yeah, we do give a, you came to see us live, you paid your hard on money to buy a badge or pay the cover or whatever. And if you want to take something home, we want to make that possible for you. Um and at conventions, I could tell you, yeah, they do. They do tend to sell really well, and it's just the it's just about the greatest feeling in the world when somebody comes up to you after one of your shows and says, "So this is everything you've ever done." I have to, have it. <laughs> yeah. You know, and you're like, "What, yeah. really?" I mean, I mean, and even now, I still have to pinch myself because, like, someone's like. They're they're they you know people say I love this music and I'm like well you've heard Black Sabbath right I mean <laughs> you know, right. maybe we should maybe we should do some comparison shopping first but um yeah they they tended to be a really popular seller we we don't put everything we do on physical media yeah. and um I think that there were there were people that we've met that were like. You know, I don't want CDs. I want vinyl or USBs, and yeah. I think it's it's a really great way to. And then Sarah came up with the idea, the music notes. Like we um, we don't we don't notate out every note of everything we do, but we do kind of generate what we, what I call a piano reduction score, which is most of what you would need to play a Valentine Wolf song. And we thought, well, that'll be a cool way to display these. So. Um, Right. I think it's just, you know, I, I think, again, you know, we, we try to have, I mean, I think what's awesome about talking to you and what what's really resonating with me and what's hitting me about this question is, at the end of the day, you know, we're fans ourselves. I mean, we, we you know, we go to Nightwish shows, we go to Insomnium shows. Uh, when we saw Insomnium a few years ago, which is one of our favorite bands, I mean, we basically went to them and we're like, we, we need one of everything you have. <laughs> right. So yeah. You. Yeah. So, you know, we try to have everything on the merch table where like, if you want a sticker for a dollar, you can have that. But if you really want to support us, you know, the flash drive is the way to go. So, right. um, 
Thanks for plugging that. We appreciate it. Oh yeah. So so it, it sounds like some songs on the USB drive are exclusive only because you 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 said before um, all you don't put all your stuff on physical media, right? Yeah. I mean, there are certain things we do, um, like what you'll find. We call it the Valentine Wolf Vault. Oh, nice. And we we did some really cool. We did some scoring projects for some live theater productions. Um, we did a lot of, uh, we, we've done, I think, three Shakespeare plays at this point mm-hmm. um, for local theater companies, and we never released those on CD, so they're on there. We did a few, um, we we do a few other things here and there, um, uh, you know, there's some demos, there's some videos, there's just, it's a whole bunch of everything, so we yeah. try to make it you know, we, we try to hit that sweet spot between making it as affordable as possible because I think at this point there's there's at least five or six of our metal albums on there, if not more. Nice. There's some rarities. The very first EP we ever did, like, and that's the other thing too. A lot of times when we print physical CDs, when we run out, we don't reprint them because we just either have moved on to other things or we're prioritizing other, you know, we don't keep all of every, we don't have, I mean, I think I think we have an archival copy we keep for ourselves of like our first three albums, but once they're gone, they're gone. So, um, and people seem to really dig it. The other thing too is like we have some people, we got one friend in particular at MarsCon who is an audiophile. He's like, can, can I get flat files on this? And so we started trying to load it up with MP3s for the car, but flat files for the headphone people. So <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. There seems like the better, better audio for um, headphone listeners. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Right. So, uh, could you tell me your y'all y'all's uh, creative setup, like uh, the recording process? Uh, do you come up with the music first, and then Sarah comes up with harmony, or do you have equal an equal role in it together, like coming up with everything together? Um, more or less an equal role. Um, you know, Sarah is, uh, you know, as she mentioned, her, her degrees are in composition and she writes really great stuff. So, um, without kind of overthinking it and talking about the exceptions to the rule, generally what happens is, um, and it, this is kind of, I think, weirded people out, but we like, literature and poetry so much um we start with the lyrics come first right lyrics i think the one thing i think all uh, you know all great songwriters agree on is you gotta have good lyrics so that's almost always where we start almost all valentine will start wolf songs start with some vocal melodies that sarah's written and some piano parts and then I'll sit down and kind of take the piano part, you know, I'll kind of take it apart a little bit and kind of look at how it works, what it's doing, you know, what she's written, what, and then, you know, I mean, and she, she's written bass parts for me too, but you know, she doesn't play bass. So there's times where she's like, I think it'd be cool if you did this. And I'm like, okay, well, what if I did that? I can do what you're wanting to do but without writing without playing exactly what you wrote does this work mm-hmm. so she'll kind of kind of coach me through that and then usually at that point i sort of i take what she's written we kind of rough it out into a basic arrangement and then she kind of takes back over and 
it just tells me I like this. I don't like this. I think this works. What if we do this? And we, at a certain point, even though she may generate some of the material, we kind of come together and start making decisions together of this will work, that will work. And I mean, and it's, it's happened at every, I think the only variation that hasn't happened is it's rare that I will write everything from start to finish, including the lyrics, because she's the singer. She needs to be comfortable what she's saying. Right. But I do know there's a few cases where she's just played a demo and I'm like, okay, well, this is fine. I'll just play I'll just put the bass parts down and we're going to go. Hmm. Um, but, um, but that's a general, it, it's, it's quite collaborative, but I think a lot of our material really starts with her. Nice, nice. That's always a good. Um, yeah, going back to your lyrics, I haven't written any song or anything. I'm not, a, you know, musically inclined whatsoever, but I do think that the lyrics would be the the first things to write first, as opposed to music first, like like James Hetfield does. To me, it would. It, I think that it would flow a lot easier if you got the lyrics down first, right? Am I am I correct on that? Do you think? Well. It especially makes it easier if we're going with lyrics that already are poetry, and we do choose that a lot. Uh, yeah. We we choose. Uh, we've done several things about Edgar Allan Poe, and we've chosen some poems by Lord Byron, and we've done stuff with Mary Shelley's poetry, and then also uh, our latest album that we put out used the poetry of Emily Dickinson. Oh, so oh, nice. Oh, yeah, that was, yeah. yeah, check that one out. It's called Only Gossamer, My Gown, and it's all on YouTube, so you can listen to the whole thing there. Oh, nice, okay. But when we wrote Only Gossamer, My Gown, a lot of a lot of the poems, I just took them as they were, and I just set the words exactly as the poem was. With a couple of the poems, I rearranged some of the sections and I repeated some of the sections and I, I sort of turned it into like a verse chorus thing. But some of them I just tried to set it just like it was. So when when I'm using predetermined poetry that people are already used to, it's somewhat of a challenge because people have been reading this poem long before they ever heard of us. So my challenge is how can I set this poem and turn it into a song without changing it too much from what people expect? So I try to use the the general cadences of how you would say the poem out loud or even sometimes in your head, and I try to incorporate that into the rhythms and the melodies that I'm using when I write the song. But then sometimes I just get carried away and I get real crazy with it, and, right. <laughs> and that's that's fun too. Yeah, it's always good to get a, get, get carried away with 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 what you love. Um. So, okay. So. Uh, so I know, and you know, um, Braxton and Sarah, that there's many genres of metal. Um, you know, there's thrash, there's, um, I can't think of there. Oh, there's metalcore and other stuff like that, right? So what is Victorian? Metal, melodic, melodic death metal, which is one of my favorites. Yeah, 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 there's death metal, there's gloom metal, there's doom metal. I still don't know what there's doom metal. metal is, and I, I have no idea what that is. <laughs> but, um... With all, with all of that uh, subcategories of metal music, um, what inspired you to go to Victorian chamber music? And most of all, what is it? 
Exactly. For the listeners okay. who don't know. Truth to tell, Victorian chamber, me- Victorian chamber metal is a bit tongue-in-cheek. I think that okay. really... I think really if somebody were to ask me, you know, full stop, Valentine Wolf, what kind of music do you play? Uh, I mean, my answer these days is gothic metal. Right. I mean, that's as good of a reason as any, as good answer as any. And I mean, you know, it's like, you know, if somebody said Paradise Lost with a Soprano, I'm like, I would, I would be very happy about that. But we've gotten, people have said we sound like Camelot. People sounded like, we sound like Cradle of Filth. Of course we get Nightwish and all of that we're very flattered by because we love those bands. Right. I, you know, Victorian Chamber Metal, you know, a friend of ours uh, came up with that, I think, one year at Dragon Con, speaking of conventions, the sort of gathering of the tribes. And it really, the tongue-in-cheek part was we were trying to think of, like, a way to kind of stand out from the crowd a little bit and not just be another, you know, Nightwish clone. Um which, which, as a side, I think if you're a Nightwish clone, there's worse things in life to be because Nightwish <laughs> are just so awesome. Yeah, they are. Yeah, I'm you sad know, that Marco left. Right? Yeah. Super worried about the future for that band. Yeah, they'll Marco, be fine. I think it's just. Yeah. I think that that's a deeper, deeper hole than a lot. Because I mean, again, I remember Nightwish before Marco, and then putting on Century Child and going, oh, what, what happened? Right. <laughs> they, got, right. they got a bass player. Yeah. yeah. No disrespect to the previous guy, but Marco really transformed their sound. Yeah. Um, so we, we people said, you know, symphonic metal is a thing. Like when you play metal with orchestras and choirs and everything, we're like, well, we're only, there's only a duo. So that's like chamber music. Well, it's chamber music metal. It's chamber metal. And then we're like, but it's kind of Victorian. So we're like, well, it's Victorian chamber metal. And, <laughs> you know, yeah. and I think that it, it still kind of works. I mean, I think it's as good of a label as any. We um, we uh, we got reviewed once and somebody said Victorian chamber metal. It, 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 it Whatever you're thinking it sounds like, that's exactly what it sounds like. Um, I think on the, the Encyclopedia Metallum forums, they kind of bust in our shops a little bit for it. But um yeah, what are you going to do? Everyone's a critic, right? Yeah, but, um, right. But really, we what inspired us was we were just trying to think, what can we, how can we describe our music to people who've never heard of it in like a really short phrase? And even though I think gothic metal's probably better, there's still a lot of affection, you know, because it, it's still when, when, you know, we've had the experience where people say, I went to the show thinking... I have no idea what Victorian chamber metal is. And then right when you started your first song, I went, oh, that's what Victorian chamber metal Mm -hmm. is. So, um, you know, I think it's just kind of, because we play up the keyboards, we play up the classical instrumentation, but we, there's no pretending we're playing in front of an orchestra or anything like that. So. Right. Yeah. It's always, it's always fun to, to experiment with different genres, you know, because. Because if you love one thing, you're like, okay, well, maybe I can go here and, you know, dabble with this, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Well, it is just because, as you say, we love so many different kinds of metal. Yeah. I mean, you know, from, you know, I already changed New Trick Paradise Lost, but, you know, I mean, um, 
I think every time I get a chance to talk to heavy metal, I just tell everybody I come into contact with, if you've not listened to Oceans of Slumber, you must. Oh, I've heard of them. They're really, uh, really good. So I mean, great. I love I love their uh, version of Cashmere. Oh, my God. Yeah. So good. So good. Um, and, and, you know, and sometimes it's just, you know, when we're like, okay, it's like typo negative, but like with, you know, Taria singing or whatever, people kind of wrap their heads around that. So I think what inspired us to go that route was trying to come up with a way to say, you know, it's like super heavy music, but with like this sort of, uh, these sort of beautiful, fragile operatic lyrics in fewer words. So that that's the origins of Victorian chamber metal. Right. Right. Um, so I'm going to bring up our friend Cammy once again, because, um, she actually told me before I got in contact with y'all um, uh, that y'all did a theme song to a, a ghost hunting show, which is great. You know, I'm you know I'm I'm am I'm, I'm, I'm very aware of ghost hunting shows. You know, because I watched them when I was a kid. Uh, but this, but uh, the show that I'm talking about that y'all did a theme song to is the Ghost Finders, and I'm not too familiar over with this. Uh, so let's talk about the new theme song for the show. Um, I think, I, okay, so correct me if I'm wrong, it's called Ethere- Etheria? Yeah, Etheria, yeah. Okay, great. Yes, I can talk. All <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> so, um, so listening to that song, that song is the, is the, is the most perfect song for a ghost hunting show because it's eerie, it's, uh, nerving, you know, nerve-wracking, and it, you know, Kind of scared me just a bit, but not, but not as much as as, as Freddy Krueger did, you know. <laughs> right on, yeah. Yeah. So, um, how were you able to capture the feeling of, uh, the way you di- the way that show is portrayed, the Ghost Finders or 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 Ghost Hunting shows in, and uh, it's it, it's all, all of its glory. I, I think two things came to mind. Um when I, you know, with this question, I think first is just, I I think that we're just sort of fans of ghosts and ghost stories and, you know, paranormal adventures like that. I I think that um, in terms of just our own music in general, Haunting of Hill House and Haunting of Bly Manor, you know, not even just the music, but the mood and the feel, that sense of dread and apprehension really inspire a lot of what we're trying to do with our music. And then the second part of that is just the obvious things. I mean, you know, we we checked out the show. We kind of saw what they were going for. And mm-hmm. uh, mostly, I think, um, you know, though the people who work on the show, specifically uh, Rob Thompson, who's on the show, and uh, Heather, the executive producer, I think you know, we got connected with them. The other one of the other cast members is um, her name's Megan. Um, we met Megan years ago at a convention, and she's just one of those people that like you just kind of can't remember a time you weren't friends with this person, you know. And um, I think that, but Rob and Heather, I think, really run kind of know what they want running the show. So they had they really were able to tell us this is the vibe this is what we're trying to go for can you do this and um you know and we didn't get it right the first time I mean, we did a few things and they came back and said okay here's what we like here's what we don't like we tweak some things 
we went in some we it got really far afield at one point Mm -hmm. um but i think that it was being able to work with them and them to say okay you know that's not quite it but i think we're in the right direction can you suggest something else and um i think that if and i mean i appreciate it saying it's eerie and nerve-wracking and that's oh, it is. exactly what we're going for but yeah. the feedback again when you work with really awesome collaborators is what I'm trying to say and you know the ghost finders are really awesome collaborators right. they were able to really tell us this is sort of what we want and with each subsequent draft of the theme song they were able to say much more of this much less of this so it okay. ended up being a really easy, really natural collaboration there. And, you know, and they're just, they're dear people. I mean, oh, yes. just, yeah. they're, they're just awesome. 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 It's, it's easy when you're working with your friends and they've got a good creative vision. It is. It is. And it's always an easier process if, if they know what they, if they know what they want and they are able to explain it to you and you understand that's, that's like, then that's like 95% of the, of the, uh, of the battle right there, you know? Yeah, yeah. So. And they, you know, especially, again, you know, Heather, like, Heather had some really cool ideas that we, we had never, we would, I would not have thought of to try, which is like, I really like um, the initial, when the initial song kicks in, and it's very stripped down with just drums, a little bit of synth bass, yeah. Sarah's choral parts, and just like one sort of uh, lonely solo string part. I mean, a lot of that was Heather's idea. Oh, nice. Try to figure how to put it all together. Yeah. Um, again, I, I just, uh, you know, it's, it's, they're the Ghost Finders. It's an indie show. You can go to their website. They're on uh, Roku Spirit Channel, I think, Amazon Prime, and a bunch of other places. They've got a really cool YouTube channel. Thanks for letting me plug them a little bit. But, sure. Um, yeah. You know, uh, it, it just, it was a lot of fun to work on, and they were super cool people to work with. So I thank you that you answered my next question. My next question is: uh, Did they find you, or did you have like a they, they, or or like did they have like a new new like a new theme song contest? But I think uh, since 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 you said that that they're friends of yours, it sounds like they found you, right? They did. We uh, we really I think Megan, the cast member I mentioned, uh, Megan Deputy, she played um, them some of our music. And they were looking for a theme song for a few seasons ago. And they wound up using a track we recorded on a record that came out in 2017 called The Elegiac Repose. And, you know, they, and, and I think it worked, but we ne- we didn't intend that to be a theme song, you know. Um, and they just sort of, we just sort of said, sure, here you go, you know, cut it up, make it work. And, you know, they were like, it'd be cool. They were like, Again, we at that point, you know, we were only sort of basically familiar with the show, but the more we got to know them, they were like, it would be cool if a theme did this, or it would be awesome if we could have like, uh, Rob kept asking for, I need a, I need a haunted choir of angels. I need thousands of angels singing. Mm-hmm. And I think at one point, you know, kind of talking about our music and saying we like it and everything, Sarah just, because she's so, I mean... Yeah, I gotta I gotta brag on my band member slash wife here for a minute. Oh yeah, please do. (laughs) You know how does she write music so well and all that good stuff? Well, the answer is she works at it every day. Yes. I mean, Sarah puts the time in, 
And right. there, I, there's really no secret beyond that. She just shows up and she puts the time in. And I think at one point a few years ago, she just said, hey, you know, if you ever want me to write a theme song for you that's yours, that's custom made, that is everything y'all want, then let's talk about that. And then um, I think last winter they said, hey, we're thinking about doing this. Is, would you still be willing to write something for us? And mm -hmm. you're like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> why not? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's so, awesome. Yeah. 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 Okay, so I do have, um, I think I have one more question that's not, that I didn't see you all, so, because I wanted to be, um, you know, um, uh, like, very, very, uh, thoughtful. Um, this show is called When Words Fail, Music Speaks, and that can't be truer from the actual truth, right? So, mm -hmm. it, this question is from both of y'all. If, okay, so what would be one song that you hear or heard of before that you cannot explain to anybody else. I'll, I'll give you mine and, and, and let you all think about it just for a minute. Right. So there's this song by Eric church called Talladega. And I tell everybody this, that's my favorite song. And I don't know how, why it is. It just is for some reason. And no matter how hard I try, I cannot explain to you or anybody else how how that song makes me feel. Is there a song out there right now that that does does that to you? I I think for me, because I love learning about music, I love trying to figure it out. I, I like to try to figure out why you know, um, so. And that is an awesome question. I don't think anyone's ever asked me that question. And I think that there is, you know, when you break it down into the music theory, you break it down into how you can understand it. It might understand, you might, it might help you understand music deeper, but it's not really going to explain that really emotional, that emotional impact you're saying. So I don't know that for me, I don't know if it's one particular song, but I can tell you it's one particular artist. Mm -hmm. Sarah's going to jump in. Sarah's got a song. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna jump in and steal this answer before he thinks of it. Yeah. Mozart's, Mozart's Requiem. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, I, that okay. He's not gonna choose that for his answer, but I'll okay. say that that's my answer because when you were saying that, I kind of thought if it's a song with lyrics in English, then the words are not failing because those words will speak to me. So that immediately made me think, well then it must be some music that either doesn't have a lot of words or the lyrics are in a different language that I don't really speak. Mm -hmm. And so the, the Mozart Requiem Mass does have Latin in it, but I don't, I don't really speak Latin. Right, right. I mean, I, I know what the words are supposed to mean. Yeah. I've seen, but, it's, but because it's not a language that I speak, sometimes I can just get really lost in the music and not even think right. about the words at all. So that's one. And that's also a piece that is pretty important to both of us and we both would love at some point to figure out a way to sort of make it our own not really do a cover of it but somehow figure out a way to just really transform it into something meaningful that we could perform together right so that's that's going to be the piece that i choose and now i'll let him answer for himself cool okay well yeah mine isn't a piece it's an artist um 
And uh, and that is my favorite bass player of all time, a bass player named Renaud Garcia Fons. And all I can ever really tell people, they're like, why do you like Renaud so much? I'm like, that's just that's just the bass how it's supposed to be played in my view when i close my eyes and i just imagine just the universe you know and, and like how you, what you could do with bass and bow in your hand it, it, it's Renault. It, it's mm -hmm. just it's everything he does it's um yeah he's just uh super 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 important to me and you know, bringing it all back around when Sarah's like, we're going to be in a band together. I'm like, I don't know if I can do that. I, I, I had a lot of misgivings, but then when I was like, well, what if I did what Renaud Garcia Fons did, only Gothic? She's like, that'd be amazing. Um, and that's really, I think, the spark. So, and, and I mean, and I, you know, I, I share, I do love the Mozart Requiem. I mean, I just, I, 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 that didn't come to the answer because I have like, a lecture I do about it, like try to right. talk about it and tell yeah. the story behind it. But like, to your point about you know you can't really explain why you love that Eric Church song. I mean, like, uh, and I mean I'm not, and I mean I don't want to say oh Renault's the best bass player in the world. Right? No, 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 you're right. Yeah, I don't yeah. like thinking about that, but I just there is just you know sometimes when I've tried to have that conversation and I appreciate this because I've tried to have this conversation people are like you think he's better than Edgar Meyer I'm like I right. <laughs> no I didn't think he's better but yeah right yeah that, that's not the discussion right it's just I hear this guy play and I'm like it takes me back to that first moment hearing Steve Harris I'm like I want to do that you right know, it just and I, I I can't explain why he's just um I I will wrap this up or at least our part of it by just telling um, we've seen him live a few times and Sarah actually got a picture of me um, we don't have this picture anymore and I wish we did but it was an awesome picture she just snapped because you can tell I am trying to be very cool <laughs> right. and not totally fanboy and I'm failing miserably and oh no you get all that from a picture it's so funny I was just sort of like Hey. Yeah, it's like, what's up, dude? I don't know what to say. But he's, well, I mean, I, I was like, you changed my life. Right, yeah, yeah. You completely changed my life. And he was like, okay. And <laughs> I, I mean, I, I think he was like, who is this weirdo telling me? I, I mean, I, I shouldn't say that. He's very, very, very kind and very warm. Right, yeah. Um, the second time I met him, I started, as, I, I said, I have two or three questions about, like, technique and setup. He's like, yeah, of course, what do you want? I mean, I'll tell you, what do you want to know? I'll help if I can. He's a very very warm wonderful wonderful human being yeah but um yeah it's not a song but Renaud Garcia Fons he's yeah. just an artist that means everything to me yeah well I think that music is is a language on its own because um I'll give you a, a, for instance um there's a band I don't know what their name I should know uh, but they're a foreign band and they did a cover song of uh Sound by True but by Metallica of course right uh, so they did it in their own language. I didn't know what they were saying, but I knew exactly what they were saying at the same time, you know. And that's very, very, uh, very powerful for somebody to hear somebody that they'd never heard of. They don't know their language, but they knew exactly what they were saying at the exact same time that they were saying it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I so, mean, I 
I, I think you have a great title for your show. I mean, I think that truly, you know, music is it. it I mean, it really is the best, and it really, yeah. you know, your when words fail, music does speak because it really, it's just this amazing thing to bring people together to just have you share just such uh, depth of everything and it's just i don't know i mean <laughs> i said it before i'll say it again it's why i love that frank zappa quote you know yeah. music is the best it just it's everything yeah so my very last question and then i'll let you go because i know it's it's getting late where you are it's it's late where i am too um where can our listeners find you well i think the the best place is valentinewolf.com uh, Valentine, just like Valentine's Day, Wolf, W-O-L-F-E dot com. You can, once you're there, you can find our YouTube channel, our, um, we're on Spotify, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, uh, pretty much all the usual social media places. You were very kind enough. Uh, we release a fair, uh, fair few amount of music over on Bandcamp, valentinewolf.bandcamp.com, but all that centrally located, um, on our website and you know we, we just uh, i'll just uh wrap that part up by saying there's so much music out there in the world we are just beyond grateful if the music that might resonate with you is something that we've written or done so you know we we don't ask for everyone to love it we know that like if you you know nothing is for everybody and that's fine but um we are always excited when people check out our music so if you check it out please, you know, listen to it. If you like the kind of haunted house, Victorian nightwish type things we're talking about, I think you might really dig what we're doing. And, um, yeah, I think, I, I, I don't know how I was going to finish that sentence. So okay. I did not stick to anything, but <laughs> valentinewolf.com. Dot com. Yes, sir. Okay. Yeah. Well, I will say that I am gratefully honored to talk to you all. And I think Cammy for setting this up. And I was so eager to talk to y'all because I'm like, I wonder what Victorian Chamber Metal is because I've never heard of it. I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm interested, you know, and I love to learn more about new music because music is, you know, the, the, uh, the uh, essence of life. So, so thank y'all again for coming on. Well, James, thank you for your time. Thank you for sharing your space with us. Thank you for um, sharing our music with your audience. We just, we deeply, deeply appreciate you making the time for us. Thank you. You're welcome. That's okay. And until next time, everybody, I will talk to you later. Bye.